And now, for the thousands in attendance and the millions of people that wish they were sitting in front of my bar at the moment, welcome to the ninth episode of At The Bar With Yo Adrian, where I explore the lives and times of some really interesting people. And one of those interesting people happens to be Toby Dowd. So good morning to Toby. Hi, <laughs> Adrian. How are you, mate? Finally. <laughs> Finally. We got it, eh? You're not going to tell him what happened before? No, no. I'm not going to tell him, mate. I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> but uh, Toby's the... Uh, <laughs> he's the... He's, he's got a number one book on Amazon, and he's going to tell us all about his book this morning. But before we go any further, he hasn't had a drink for a while. For 20 years. For 20 years, but he's going to have a drink this morning. Yeah. And so I'm going to offer him a royal salute. Oh, great. Mate, this, this is one of the better blended scotches you can get. It runs rings around the uh, Johnny me. Walker blue label. So you're telling me that's your first drink in 20 years. Well, I never used to drink scotch when I used to drink. Uh, <laughs> no, well, I drank the other... About a month ago, because we had a friend that passed, so it was the first time. Yeah, I got drunk for about twenty years. So yeah, this is. Um, <laughs> Tell me what you think of that. It's going to kill it. Do I skull it or do I sip it? No, have a have a sip first. <laughs> Are you serious, That's... mate? Yeah, I don't drink, bud. So yeah, I have to. That, have that it all. is so smooth. I have to have it all. Mm. <sighs> well. <laughs> that strong is it wow wow well wow. anyway i can assure you it's it's a it's a top drop anyway buddy let's fantastic <laughs> when did you realize that you had a talent for writing i don't think you really ever realize i just i was pretty good at school like that i grew up with a couple of mates who were always good at telling stories too andrew mcguire was one some were reading some of his old essays he was always good guys like grant hyde yeah grant grant's a you know, friend fantastic. of mine also yeah, yeah. Fantastic author, good mate of ours. And like Grant helped me a lot with this actually, you know, I owe him a lot. But I always had, I had two stories in my mind since I got my more, but this was one of them I always had because I'd done a lot of like TV shows and commercials growing up. And, and like, as you, I'll just uh, interrupt there. As you can see, have a look at this guy. He's so, pleasant, pleasant on the eyes for all the ladies. My mum's a big fan of uh, Toby's. <laughs> Sorry, that scotch is killing me. Um, so and he is married by the way yeah, so i had working in there i was like behind the scenes type stuff more interested me than i suppose you'd say in front of the camera and i had the story and i had in my mind whether to do two things write it as a book or try and learn a screenwriter and screenwrite it myself but i'd never done either of them so for me it was really hard the decision decision was hard but at the time you know i was going through a bit of a hard time and i thought you know what i'll start i'm going to just start writing it i started writing the story and about nine months later, I'd had about, it took me about nine months to get, because there was so much study that had to go into the into the book, you know, what it's based on, you know, the serial killer and, and the religious theme and, and, the, and the presidential theme within the book. I had to do a lot of study, so it took a long time. So, uh, mate, I had to end up getting into, you know, delve into the lives of certain serial killers, delves into the lives of the, of the church, read up on the Bible, all, all these things to make the story connect. So people think you just write a book, but it was hard. Like, but that would have taken you a lot of time. Mate, How long did that take you? Mate, all up to reading actually... Reading the Bible would take you months, wouldn't it? No, but I didn't read the Bible, just the Psalms of it. Because oh, right, obviously okay. the book is called yeah, Psalm, P-S-A-L-M, for yep. those who want to know. And I, 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 Grant was actually a big help when I first started doing it because when I was showing him the first couple of drafts, like compared to how it ends up, completely different. And I used to pick Grant's brain a lot. He would tell you, you know, so mate, how did you do this? And, you know, the level so the planning of it I, I didn't plan so I ended up reading about a couple of authors when I was halfway through like how they got their books to where they were like Dan Brown who wrote The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons and that and he actually spent five years in Europe studying his book like before he did it I know he also used uh, other books as well like 
a holy blood, holy grail to take the, the synopsis of his book out of. But what he ended up writing a 400-page plan for the Da Vinci Code. I don't think the Da Vinci Code's even 400 pages. So I actually didn't do it that way. I just was writing off the top of my head. I had the story in my head. I sort of knew what chapters were where. But when you start, when you do it that way, you'll get to a certain point. I had to write everything down on a piece of paper. But that was after I did all the study. And the study took a long time. I had to study the Zodiac serial killer. I had to study uh, Dennis Rader, who was Bind, Torture, Kill, BTK, they called him. Uh, Manson, obviously Lee Harvey, Oswald, because there's a present in the book of you know JFK. Now, all these killers. And the, the Zodiac had always... That was the other part of my life. I'd always, I'd always got into all that stuff anyway. I used to read the books, study the cases, and look into it. It's weird, but that I re- I'm really intrigued with that type of genre, I suppose you could say. So I used to study those the serial killers a lot. I know it's, I know it's a bit morbid, but into ca- and especially in the cases that were unsolved, like the Zodiac. So I wanted to piece a story together where there was a a serial killer who was recreating some famous either murders from unsolved crimes like John Bonet Ramsey, the young beauty pageant girl, and incorporate them into a murder mystery. And I had to then I had the story of making it religious and then the presidential part of it. So it's sort of like three parts of the story. And mate, that's that's how it all came about. But it, it, it took a long time from start from when I first started writing it to when it finished. Probably oh I think I started two thousand nine and it finished about 2015 I think roughly I so think. what what inspired you to write that book um, I just wanted to get it done so I like I said you know I was going through a hard time at the time when I started it. so to me it was the finish of the culmination of finishing it from that because I got past it and to me it was then you know finish it and my wife was huge my seller like she I'd I'd put it down for three or six months and couldn't write because I'd have a blank and I'd, then I'd go back through everything where am I going what am I doing with it I, you know I'd get the shits with it mm. And then I was just like, you know, and she'd like, you know, keep going, keep going, you never know. So she sort of inspired me to keep going a lot. And then, I, mate, I remember the day I finished it. I, I still remember it now. We are living at Rosebury and I had the computer, the laptop on my, on my lap. She was watching TV and she was laying next to me. She had her head on a pillow next to me. And there was 123, 24,000 words, which is like, it's a lot. That, that's heaps. I think that's I, heaps. most novels are around anywhere between 70 to 90 or 85,000. So, you know, I'm another quarter over that. And you tell someone, you know, people tell you they wrote a 10,000 book essay, 10,000 word essay, and I laugh at it. And they, mm. oh, it took me six weeks to go, I mean, write a story that, you know, you had no plan for. It's, you know, five times that. So, or not bigger than that, 10 times that. So I ended up, I remember the day she was there and I was writing and I got to the end. And as I was writing the end on the, on the computer, I actually had tears coming out my eyes because it had taken me so long. And I knew how much effort and how much went into the book. And from where it started, like from where I was to where it finished, it was, you know, worlds apart. And I finished it, but then I didn't realize what was going to come after it. Like, that was only the start. Excuse me, Scotch. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's only the start. Um, if I have another one, I'll be... Mate, remind me not to have a drink with you <laughs> yeah. one night. So I'll have another one. And so I... Um, I um, yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, so for, that was just basically the start. Like that, to me, looking back on it now, that was the easy part. Because then afterwards, the hard part actually started. Editing, rewriting, getting it you know, looked at, all these type of things. You know, uh, book covers, 
proofread. Like, there's so much that goes in behind the scenes. Now I'm going to give you a chance to talk about your book. So can you tell the audience about the book and what was the reasoning for releasing it in the USA? Over here, yeah. Well... Yeah, the USA, uh, you know, under, the, Amazon. Uh, under Amazon. Yeah, yeah, so the book is based... It's called Psalm. Uh, it's hard to explain exactly what Psalm is because it gives away the book you've read it yeah, so, yeah. it's the book's about, very clever the way you've, you've come up with the title yeah there's a lot of twists and turns in it so it's a murder mystery basically serial killer but you learn you sort of gain empathy towards the killer because even though as brutal as some of these murders are like they're brutal you know he does five or six murders and they're all from famous other murders or a, serial, a famous serial killer and, or, or just a famous murder that's well known within America and when he was younger he, was, he grew up in orphanages around LA and there was a, a group of priests there was like a, a brotherhood of priests within those orphanages that used to sexually assault the, the children and they had favourites and he was one of their favourites Michael uh, Hitchings is his name and he was one of their favourites and he stopped a lot of the other kids getting raped he used to take the rapes on himself to save some of these younger kids that come in he was like a, a brother to them and so fast forward later on in life he takes the priests and the, and the church to court and he loses the court case and loses it in bad fashion because of the fact that the defense destroyed his credibility while he's on the stand. And you learn this throughout the book. And so you don't learn his backstory till a bit later on as you're going through the book as to why he became who he became. But that's the story of how he became who he is. So he has his built up anger and, and hatred. So he starts creating these murders. That's one part of the story. The second part is the FBI agent that's chasing him called Harrison Carter who comes from a very rich, well-known, established Californian family. Father's a, the, the head uh, surgeon at Cedar Sinai. And he could have been anything. Could have been anything. Could have been, been a lawyer. Been. Yeah, well, that, the whole family, the whole family court, yep. were like, they were disappointed. The father's disappointed him. The, fa- the mum was just a flight attendant. So she comes from a, na- a normal background. But the father, they come from a long line of, you know, high-ranked people in America. Like, you know, there's lawyers and ma- mayors and generals and all this. And the father obviously wants his son to go down the same path, but he doesn't go down that path. He wants... He, he's, he's calling in is sort of like more his mum's side more like just a, a a normal life and he doesn't want he doesn't care about meeting judges and lawyers he doesn't care about that side he just wants to do what he does what interests him so he becomes he then he, he goes to the FBI and he he's really smart and they can pick him sort of like Clarice Starling out of you know Silence of Lambs like he's, he has that he has that knack he knows what he wants so they sort of rush him into this uh, serial killer elite squad type thing where they're they're looking, they're tracking killers. And he, he's put on this case after there's been a couple of murders and he realises that the murders are from the same person, even though they're in different states. So he attends the John Bonet, a murder of a young girl, which is eerily similar to the John Bonet murder. Then he goes to Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I think it was where, um, I'm just trying to remember more now, I should know it, um, John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, he murdered the guys and buried them under his house. And everything's identical. Before you lose your chain of thought, I remember when I was reading the book, first thing I picked up, I remember I was laying in bed when I was reading it, and your description yeah. of uh, the scenes, is, yeah. it's almost like movie-like. Yeah, it's, that's... It's, it's so... That your got watered down. Your description's really, really good. Well, it actually got watered down. It's frightening, like, Cause you, I got you to, put the person right there in the scene, and it's, yeah. When I first wrote it, so I don't know if you ever read, you probably, I don't know if you saw the movie American Psycho. Yeah, I have seen So, it. the book was banned in Australia. Like, you had to buy it under the counter, basically. So, when I got hold of that book, first time I ever read it, 
it's the most descriptive book of all time. Unbelievable. So he pin, like even showing a there's a scene in the movie where he shows the business card, and it's like raised white lettering on a bone mm. back. Like it's full description, and that's how I, I like reading that because it puts you in that. Yeah, that's scene. What, that's, that's, right. that's what you achieved with this so, with this book. But when I wrote it first, how I wrote it. Because I had it rewritten by an American author. We'll get to that in a minute. So I wrote exactly like... I wanted to be exactly like that. Exactly the same. And it was... When they got hold of it, they're like, it's too much. I'd gone... But I'd never written before, so that's okay. And they're like, it's too much. We need to tone it down. I was like, but that's what I like. But sometimes you've got to bite your ego and, you know... And so, you know, I had to and so... Oh, excuse me. Sorry, you killed me. So I had exactly how you're saying. That's that's what I wanted, that presence in the book of people knowing exactly what's going on. Especially with one of the murders, it was the the murder for Mary Kelly in New York, which is the uh, Mary Kelly was the last victim of Jack the Ripper. Brutal murder. And when you read the book, when you read the, you actually go online and read all the autopsy reports and that. Like he cut her from breastbone down to pubic bone, tore her apart. It's heavy. And... Mm. I did like four pages on this murder, exactly the same, blood, gore all over the place. Like it was, but that's what I wanted. I wanted that effect. You're talking about the smell, the scent, the, of the, everything, everything. Yeah. So when they walk into the hallway, get out of the lift, they can smell basically death. And I was basically shit myself. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. So that's laying in bed thinking <laughs> someone's going to come into my room and. But so knife that's, me. that's that's the weird side of me though. So I um that that's to the level how I wanted it. But then when because I had a. When we got it rewritten, so because it was Australian, because I'm Australian, and it was, it's based in America, the story, obviously. Everything's American. So I had to get it rewritten in American wording and how Americans do it. So I, uh, we auditioned a couple of authors over there, ghostwriters, and one lady sent it. Her, she was actually the first lady. Karen Tate was her name. And I had a lady in uh, on the Gold Coast called Lynn Santa, who is like a producer, writer, manager, helps people out. And I sent the... I sent the the book to her the manuscript and she wrote back to me saying look and she was the only one that got back to me about four people I wrote to and we're now like best friends she's unreal I love her and so she got back to me saying look you know it needs a lot of work obviously obviously, I knew it would but the story I love the story you know and I was like that's what I just want people to know like people may not like people may not like the grammatical errors that I had but the story let's work on it we can fix the rest up so she took it on and she goes yeah come on so she, at the moment, like she's having a lot of success. She's got a, a, a movie called Land of the Free, which has won all awards at Cairns and all these film festivals around the world. And, you know, I got to know her really well. And like, she's been unbelievable to me, like a, someone I sort of looked up to with it and, and has helped me with the book. And so then she has let me sort of audition some writers for it, Americans. So we did, and she goes, read this. So this lady called Karen Tate sent back, we said just, so we sent them all the first page and we said, can you write back? The first page how you would write but in american so karen wrote it back it was nearly word for word but she changed how they spell it anyway i just i just read that first page where i went yep hire her let's just hire her to do it because i don't want to get confused like someone will write something i just loved how she did it so we sent her the book the full manuscript and it took about a year and she got back to me and the only thing she came to me because obviously it's my baby you know it was i had all the chapters how i had it and she wanted there's one thing she wanted to change in the book because I had him telling his story to a psychiatrist and she came to me and she goes I think we should change this part of the book only to like an online presence and become more of in today so that's where for those who read the book like the online lady that has her own online you know dark website type thing 
and he meets her and that's he's trying to tell his story through her and that's where you sort of get the empathy because he understands where if he gets his story across you know people will understand where he's coming from basically so Karen uh, I said to her I had I said can you write it for me how you want that part of the book and send it back to me and so she did and when I read it you know I was gobsmacked how good how good it was and even though it was my baby and that's you know I wanted a different way I just had to you know I suppose bite my tongue and my ego and just let her do it and she did and it, uh, it was unbelievable how good how it turned out and then she sent it back to me and then you know the process of the producing and all that came through and then we had to get through all that so yeah mate, it was a, the the back end of it takes so long and people say to me oh, you know, how long did it take you oh, yeah. but they don't understand the writing actually was the easy part mm. the hard part was the getting it out there afterwards was the hardest part that was hard but compared to all the research that i did you know, it was now the title of the book's very interesting the title's called psalm yeah what does it mean okay so I'll, without trying to give away because obviously you've read the book so you know what it is and for those who you know you know what's those who watch this have read it they'll understand so it's hard to say it without giving it away but going back to the story there's as i said there's three parts you have the serial killer you have the um the guy that's tracking him down harrison carter who's on his wavelength like highly intelligent like the killer because the killer leaves no dna you know what I mean? like he's he's a freak at it but he makes one vital error in the very first murder of the book that no one picks up to later on and so he um getting back at someone within the book and there's a lot of twists and turns in the book near the end so a lot of it's all building up murder the chase murder the and chase, misdirections and misdirections yeah. that right so you know near the end of the book he figures out what psalm stands for and it stands for someone within the book and something that happened within the book and that was one of my big things so I wanted it to be called Psalm because at the start of Psalm, you read the book, you pick it up, it says Psalm. And like he says in the book, he goes, it's been staring at me the whole time what the answer is to Psalm. So the Psalm, so what happens is he he creates, or he doesn't create a murder, he murders someone. And at every murder, he leaves a Psalm from the Bible. And so the police or the FBI, and especially Harrison Carter, are trying to figure out what the murders and the Psalms how they correlate, what do they mean to, where are they leading them? And this is where that Carter sort of thinks, like he's sort of starting to understand how he, thi- how, he, how he thinks. So eventually he makes a phone call to someone who says something to him and they have a like evidence board and there's photos from his court case and things like that up there, lawyers and judges and that. And the gentleman, I'm trying to say without giving it away, the, the gentleman says certain persons, sorry, a certain person's name or whatever, and he rings straight in. And so his boss is talking to him in his office, and he goes, that's it. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, it's been looking at us the whole time. And he goes, that's Psalm. And it's like, bang. And so I sort of wanted that as well, because it's for the reader. Mm. The reader's had the book sitting in front of them for two days or however many hours, but it's in front of them the whole time, and they don't know what Psalm is. So... Although they're thinking of a religious passage, it's actually, that's the misdirection. Yeah. It's not. And so that's where it comes. You know, when everyone reads it, they'll say to me, how do you think of that? And I go, well, that was the whole misdirection. You know, you look at Swordfish, you look at all these other movies where there's the misdirection. And so that's, you've got to purchase the book, really, and read it. To understand what Psalm is. That's right. Well, I don't, 
I can give it away now, but that's no, that's don't. If if you do, that's the, the whole basis of the book comes out when he realizes what it is, and then you. But here's the misdirection. Again. That's that's the joy when you read the book. You go, oh, okay. Now mm. I know why. why but you the do title psalm. That, that's right. You do, but in saying that, once you think you've got it worked out like they do in the book, yeah, it changes again, and then he goes, no, it's too obvious. You know, they, they run off to Dallas, as you know the story, because mm. the President and the First Lady are going to recreate the drive through Diggly Plaza like JFK, because JFK was his uh, hero, and he wants to show to America and the world that they're safe again after 9-11, and he can drive through Diggly Plaza, he wants to do an open-top car and that, and everyone's guessing, oh, mate, are you mad? Like, the people are going to go for you, and every weirdo in the world's going to go there, but that's the misdirection. You could use that book as a text at Goulburn Police Academy... For detectives, if they figure it out, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm yeah, that, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you could. Well, I've, you know, I've never met. Then they they become detectives. Well, the thing is, I'm yet to. Written, I'm, well, I suppose it might be easier for people now to understand because I've sort of not given it away, but you know, I've helped it push push people in the the direction you could say. But mate, I I had it like that because I wanted to see. I was also testing, I suppose, my writing skill and my my mind on how to hide things within a story and I think I did it really good because I've never met anyone yet. I ask every person through the book, I go, did you pick it? Did you pick Psalm? And they go, no. I go, that's, and that's all I want to hear. Very hard to pick. Oh, well, that's, you wouldn't, well, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't pick it. Like, you probably wouldn't and that was my whole journey throughout the book was trying to hold back identities and even with him, like the killer, I sort of, when I first wrote the book, I, I, his DNA that didn't come out till later on, and I was trying to work out how to do it because at some stage you have got to disclose who the who, who it is because that's part of the story of the chase. And you look into him because then they look into who he is, and there's well, this guy got raped. You know, he hates the church, blah blah blah. And so there's that sort of like, well, that would turn anyone, but it's why he's going the way he does without trying to give it away. It's like, but yeah. you've read it, you know, why does he head down that path? It's because his youth was taking away from him. So now he's trying to take away youth of others. And, and that, that was basically, his only catch was that. Because, you know, he was home and hosed in this, in this trial. But So he was one of the darker characters in there. So which leads me to the next question. Were the characters in that book, were they inspired or based on real people? Because um, when, when you read a book, you go, oh, I can relate to that character. Yeah. That, that character reminds me of someone that I've known. Well... There, look, I, like I said, you know, I studied so many people, and there's, and there's so many obviously you know weirdos out there that they're just weird for the sake of being weird. But there's other people who've probably got reasonings as to why they become who they become. So you know, people get pushed into a corner or get lied to, or you know, the establishment, the police, or whatever the court systems go against them, and it leads them into that path. So he was based on that. The character was based on that. For all those, you know, we grew up in the '80s, the '70s, and that where. You know, the church has been destroyed lately by all the allegations since then. That's how I based him on. So he was one of those kids that were the ones that got destroyed by the church. That was him. The characters, uh, the guy, Harrison Carter, because he was highly, he was smart. I sort of did put him down like a Clarice Starling type character because obviously she understood Hannibal Lecter. I wanted the same type character who you can have all these unbelievable agents Right, that work with you, but there's that one that just understands it and gets it, like knows 
his thinking one step ahead of them, and that was his. That was him. And then there was like the old school Stanton Daniels, who were his bosses. They were the old school guys. So I wrote a chapter. It got left. I think I can't remember now if it's in the. I can't remember the book. It's weird, but I'd read it so many times I had to stop reading it because I, you know, it was too hard for me to keep reading it. So in one of the chapters I had where Stan and Daniels were, they, it's like a throwback to their how they became who they were because they're these men. Stanton, uh, Phil Stanton walks into a room, and he's he's like a big presence, a man. Like you know, he walks in, people notice him, they're scared of him. Like he's old school grew up yeah, you know, and you get that and, in police stations yeah I, like, yeah because yeah. when i was reading that book i could relate to a lot of that when i first started working at uh ramwick police station which was the uh which was in coogee bay road mm. there's a couple of yeah alpha male older sergeants yeah yeah and my mind went straight back to that time yeah well that's they had a presence about them that that's that's what i based him on that old school type mentality and he He's very hard and very... But he sees something in Carter. He knows, you know, his kid's smart. You don't fuck around. He's, he's good. You know what mm. I mean? He's good. So I, that's how I based him on. And they... So in, in one of the chapters I had was, you know, this guy was raping these girls and it was called the Cornfield Strangler back in the 50s. Well, I can't remember where it was, 60s. And so what they were, he was raping these girls and leaving their bodies on cornfields. And they tracked him down to a house. They got a tip off. They tracked him down to the house but it was actually set up by the guy who tipped them off and they set upon him, but, but he was so strong and big manly that he actually, he, I think he kills one and then he's standing there with a the gun pointing at the other one, the, the, the rapist. And Daniels runs up the stairs he's like, mate, don't do it, don't do it, please don't do it. He goes, don't, you're going to ruin your life and that. And he's like bladed as well. He's been in the fight with him and, and he just looks at him and just shakes his head and he just goes bang and just blows him away. And I, I describe it like you know, blood goes all over the wall. But, and so he kills him and, and then he sits down and Daniels being a mate, does the cover-up, gets a gun and puts it in his hand. And, you know, so it looks like he was defending himself. And I think I touch on it in the book where I say, he goes, no, are you all right? And he goes, yeah, I'm all right. He goes, no, no, are you all right? And he's like saying to him, like, are you got over, you know, I don't want you to go through this again. We're dealing with a guy that we've never seen before. This killer is next level. Are you okay to handle this? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But he's referring to what mm. they went through. So that's how the that's how they came about, those guys. So it was like, sort of like the new age guys so you know carter's like younger and he's newer with some old age like those old age guys those old those old hard heads that you know you you knew and you know, your uncles everyone you know the whole family knew you yeah. know the, the, but the guy you know what i mean that's and that they're those guys that you knew he walked in the room and he told you to sit down you sat down you know people respected them they just had yeah. that respect that element of respect so that's how i had him that hard that hard ass type guy so that they came from that president and them who were being a big part of the book, they were more the new age, you know. But he had old age values, like he loved JFK. That's where the JFK element comes into the book. So he was, you know, that's how that worked out. But then it all, yeah, you know, it all intertwines as you've read, and mm. it all comes up. So it's it like, clever the way you put in JFK because everyone's interested in JFK. Mate, I've always no been, matter how old you are, I was always interested. Hundred percent. I've always been huge on it too. So I'm, you know, I'm like, trying to work out who murdered him. And well, you know, we'll touch on the follow up, but that's that's a huge angle in the next. <laughs> Which brings me to my next question: <laughs> What do you think happened to the characters after the book ended? Well, some of them, as you know, don't survive. So. I've started uh, writing down, it's called the butterfly carvings. What do you is, reckon, Tobe? Well, if you want to. He's having another sip. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. 
Well, <laughs> he's got his he's got his Coca Cola. I need the chaser. By. I need the chaser. He's a chaser. Oh. oh, my eyes are watery. I feel like you trying to do the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> For those that didn't know, tell them. Yeah. Four, four takes. <laughs> so Carter survives, obviously. So he's part of the second book, and it's called the Butterfly Carvings, which is so. I'm like you just said, huge on the um, JFK. I've always been huge on it. So all those type of famous murders. So there's obviously the conspiracy theories on it. Everyone knows what they are. Who shot CIA, Mafia, all these different theories on it. Now, I'd, do I think one guy did it? I look, I, no one can prove it. No one's going to know. But I think what happened afterwards leads to think probably not. You know, they let an underworld figure walk down into a driveway in the middle of the whole world. Jack Ruby just shoot a bloke on national TV with the whole because, world watching. Because he was going to... He speaks, he's probably he was gone. going to speak, yeah. And then they interview Jack Ruby in jail. He goes, if you move me to Washington now to here, he goes, I'll tell you what happened. Next minute, Jack Ruby dies in jail. So, you know, things happen that lead you to believe, well, hang on a minute. Then you've got another theory about Lyndon Johnson having something to do with it, which I think is yeah. a bit far-fetched. Yeah, that's... Well, the thing is, you'll never know that. Let's be honest, no one's going to know. So, I, I, had, I wanted to come up with something around those lines because it is such a huge, huge, huge story... The JFK, and because I touch on it a bit on this book because they go to Dallas to do the drive, even though that's a misdirection, as you say. And so in the second book, The Butterfly Covers, basically what it is is a video emerges, these young guys hack into like a, a home security or CIA database. So is this the sequel of, the sequel, of your yeah, book? Yeah, that's gonna be That was going to be my next question. Will yeah, so this is, uh, so, yeah so, so this is where these guys, the characters continue. So he... These, it starts off with these two young guys hacking into like a home security CIA database. Obviously, I've got to figure that out because I've got to research as to yep. who, who would hold the original Sapruta film. And these guys figure out that if you can get into file ZF, 1F, whatever it is, that holds the original. So not the ones that we've been shown or been shown to public, the original Sapruta film. And so what it shows is, so these guys hack into it they then realize once they hack in and download it, these cars pull up, obviously the men in black or whatever they are, they run, the, one of the guys, they split up and they go to meet somewhere. They're in New York running through the streets, running through shops, getting chased by these guys. One of them runs in like a Chinese laundry or something. I'm still trying to figure all this out. Probably like, you know, Chinese man there and he, and he hands him the USB and he's like, give this to Harrison Carter to the FBI, no one else. Don't say anything to the police, no, just hear it to him. So anyway, the murders get reported. These guys, bodies get found. Carter goes out there to have a look at it. He gets really suspicious of these two young kids. Anyway, this Chinese man approaches him with a USB and he goes, I was told to give this to you and look at 41 seconds. Or 11 look at 11 o'clock. That's what I was going to say. Look at 11 o'clock. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. You need to look at 11 o'clock. So he goes away, puts it on the screen and realizes it's the Zapruder film, Abraham Zapruder's film from the, the shooting. The one that we've all seen where he gets his head blown off and he's going 11 o'clock and he's looking at it and he brings up a split screen of the one that just everyone sees and he's looking at it and he's thinking, what's the difference between them? And the difference is there's a lady with her daughter with her camera as well standing on the inside grass and she's filming back towards Zapruder, which obviously will show the grassy knoll behind him, which will then give fact or fiction as to whether there were shooters on the grassy knoll. So, on the one that we see, the public has seen for 50 years, there's no lady. 
there's no child it's been edited out right so we don't see it but for 50 years or whatever it is they've been looking for this lady because she's the secret to everyone unlocking what happens wow so they he tracks he obviously gets word of where they went he gets tracked he goes to like an Amish community she's been living in the Amish community with a daughter and in the room so I'm telling the whole story but in the room where the daughter stayed there's carvings on the wall look like butterflies and so they're looking at it thinking wow like it's weird okay, this is where the daughter stayed and there's carvings everywhere and it's like butterfly carvings that's what's called the butterfly carvings but they're not it's not a picture of a butterfly so the butterfly you obviously got the middle then you got like the two wings going out like that well, what it is is a guy standing there or two guys standing there but they're sort of in sync and the pictures are of the rifles actually going out with the, the straps, you know, they're holding on. So she's been actually drawing the diagram of what she saw. But people think that's a butterfly, hence the butterfly coming. So that's basically... But then there's a whole story as to what happens, what's actually on the film. So I'll give you my opinion on it, obviously, because it's my book. Geez, you've got a good imagination. And it goes... So I've got the whole thing written out, but I've got to start writing. I've, I've, I've researched... Any, anyone would be, th- be thinking, as we had a laugh about it earlier on, that you were... You'd have a bit of a smoke you'd come up with some of these ideas. Well, mate, if I smoked, I'd be, I wouldn't be talking now. I'd be, I'd be That's asleep. Right. Um, but yeah, so I got that. So that he, Carter and Stanton, they're all involved in it. So then I got a you know, piece three. Obviously, Hitching's not in it. Yeah. So yeah, but it's my, Yeah. So the book, the first yep. one we're talking about, Sam, is that, do you reckon you'd be able to do a good platform for a, uh, turn that into a screenplay for a movie? Yeah, because I reckon it's perfect for a movie, mate. I think any uh, <laughs> any screenwriters producers. out there or producers. <laughs> oh, mate, well, at the moment, as so, only how, how long ago? So I won't I won't say the guy's name because I don't want him because I haven't heard back from him yet. So I don't know whether he's liked it or not. But I had a a well known Australian. So if you're in the industry, he's a well known Australian screenwriter. Uh, I won't I won't say his name because as I said, I haven't heard back from him yet. But in case and. He, his words to me was he has someone in America who was looking for new material, a lady, producer. So obviously I sent him the book with a letter, blah, blah. So I'm still waiting to hear back from him. So I'm hopeful on that side. But I think it, at first I did have that thought of I want it to be, a, I'd love it to be a movie. But then when you start watching series like on Netflix and that, you start thinking that, oh, excuse me, the with all the murders, like it could be, you know, obviously season one, episode one is that, and some of those characters, you could probably play, Hem, Hemsworth could probably play Carter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. No, no, I know. Mate, even, even, I mean, Russell Crowe. Well, mate, my yeah, friend okay, Russell so Crowe's now producing movies. He could he could probably mate, have a role in it himself so and produce it. Obviously, when I did the book, I had, I, I, you know, you have a vision, like, all the time uh, you know, ahead. And I, and I always did, I always did. And when I tell people this, they go, what? I go, think about it. So I didn't really have who I had for, like, someone like Russell would be unreal for Stanton, you know, that. The, the big, respected, hard-ass guy. He'd be mm, perfect. Perfect. Like that. Right. That, that could be his second Oscar, which <laughs> I believe he will get one day. He's, got, he's going to do a Marlon Brando. He's going to win Mate, one actually, la- later on in his life, actually, like uh, got, Marlon Brando did in got, Godfather. Well, the third story is my actual one I always call my Oscar, my Oscar story because it's completely different to this. We'll get that in a sec. But like, the killer who I was, had as the killer. Like, when you, so when, when you're writing, you think of who's... Like Catherine Fleming, the girl, right? Who I had playing her, the kill, the the guy who was uh, Harrison Carter, the FBI agent. I never had anyone for him. I just couldn't pick anyone. 
But the killer, I always had Macaulay Culkin. And I know it's weird. And people go, Macaulay Culkin. I said, look, think about it for a sec. Yeah, no, I get that. Shave his head. He's, he, he's got a weird looking head, hasn't he? And I don't know if anyone's ever saw, is it The Good Son? I think he's in a movie called The Good Son where he plays an evil an evil son, stepson or something. So, And I thought, you know what? He's been out of the... He's been out of the, I suppose, the film realm for a, a little bit, you know, a while now, actually. But everyone knows who he is still. And he's got that grungy sort of yeah, no, older look. And a, I thought, I'm telling you, it's a good choice. You shave his head and he becomes the killer. And he's that guy you can also look at sympathy for because of empathy like towards what used to happen. Because he's got he's still, that sort of Martin Bryant look. But he's still got that, yeah, yeah, it does. But he's still got that sort of youngish look. So and I thought he'd be ideal. And not only that, because then it creates the interest. Because... Mm. People go, he hasn't been in a film or done anything for ages. Then all of a sudden, there's this film with Macaulay Culkin in it again. Just out of interest, people start talking about it. Like So the marketing with him as the killer, I, and I, 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 the dark eyes, the whole thing, his dark set eyes, his che- like the whole thing I had. I always wrote it. I know it's weird, but from from the day I started the book, I always had him as the killer, like thinking ahead. If I, you know, if I don't, look, I don't do the, I would never do the casting. It's got nothing to do with me. But that was my thought writing the book. Those faces. I remember. You remember the movie Passion of the Christ? Mm. Do you remember the character that played, Adrian Broner that, in it? that played the devil in that? No. So that character, you, you couldn't figure out whether it was a male or a female. Yeah. And that's what made it interesting and creepy. Yeah. But see, that's with, with him. That's and he's what, got that look. He does, and so that's why I always, when I was writing it, I always had him down as that. That the kill, so he was always the killer. I always like obviously guys with like with Stan and, and Daniels, those type of guys. I had uh, you think of guys like Russell and all those, right? Yeah, of course you do, because they're those characters in Hollywood that are like you know I couldn't get Ray Winston's another one that could play that part. Yeah, too. So all those, so I, could, I couldn't get you know I couldn't get you know Ryan Reynolds or someone like it. Just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It doesn't work. You got to get those guys that look that hard edge. You know he he's, he's that hard, hard edge or kid look that hard edge. I mean, and has that. A, that um, appearance when he walks in a room, like, you know, and that's what you wanted. So that's what I had for him. But the killer, mate, I wrote it, and it was the only person I ever had in my head the whole time. I wrote it, and I, and I told people, like, I'm like, holy cow, and they think, like, think about it. Yeah, think good, about good how choice. he is and what he could do just for the marketing, whether it was on Netflix or on a movie, just for the marketing. People go, Macaulay Culkin to get back out, and then it would be everywhere. Macaulay Culkin starting into starring in you. It would just go viral because it's him, because he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, you know, so that that would be my enticement. Whoever was to, if it was to ever go that path, whatever, like whether it did or not, I didn't write it for that. You know, I wrote it because I just wanted to see if I could no, do it. It's a good choice. Now, final question, which I ask all the all my guests this question: What would you change about yourself if you had the power to change anything about yourself? I don't, you know, I don't know because it's a hard question actually. Because we are who we are today, because we're all individuals. You know what I mean, like. You're sitting here doing this because that's what you do. You know what I mean? I, I am who I am. I wrote this book because I love reading about those things. Like we were talking off air about, you know, at home, like, you know, my wife will tell you. You know, I spend months researching and doing my own thing on the O.J. Simpson case. You know, we're, we're talking about it. And, you know, I watched the whole trial. Like, you're, one of, you're one of the only guys that believes... That he didn't do it. He was, yeah. Yeah, that's he right. He was innocent. But I'm one of the only guys you know who's read the whole evidence and seen the whole that's trial. That's true. So that's why it's different. Now, I have two theories on it. I'm not saying he he didn't go to the site, but I don't think he did it and at all. And when you when you look at the whole evidence, people would understand me. And I, I, 
you know, I'd challenge anyone to say, all right, you tell me what you why you reckon or ask me questions about it and I'll I'll bet you I can change your mind within five minutes. And that's because I've read all the books and I've watched the whole trial on YouTube, like every every witness and everything. And there's just no way you could come up with a guilty verdict. Whether or not he was there, he went there, or I have two theories on what happened. My theories, obviously. But did he do it? No, no way. Impossible. Impossible to slaughter two people how he did or how they say he did. And I'm not talking he killed them. I'm talking that you thought my books were bad. Go look at the crime scene photos. He slaughtered these people they're staying, apparently. He gets back into a white Ford Bronco. A white car. He would have had blood covered. He would have been covered in blood, right? And there's a couple of drops in the car. Come on, please. It's impossible. And that's what they're holding. Like, no. And then the only guy that found those drops and found the glass. See, I get into it. See, this is what happens. I get into it. I've studied it, so I, I love it. You know what I mean? The only guy that found the drops, the only guy that found the apparently wet glove, still wet blood glove, seven hours after the murders, there's no way the glove would still be wet. Blood dries in 10 minutes. Mm. Seven hours is the copper that then got on the stand so I'm not testifying anymore when they realised that he lied. Wow. So, you know, when you actually... Re- people just went on the... I so said, I know we're going off track here, but people just mainly went off what they read on TV in the papers. How many people actually looked at the evidence? When I actually did. And that's... But that's what I like doing. That's what I'm saying. That's So when you change, when you, you change... This book came about because I have that interest. You know, it's weird. Something not everyone does. But, you know, I read all about the Zodiac killing. Paul Stein, the cab driver that got shot by the Kodiak, the Zodiac, sorry, Kodiak, the Zodiac. He's the first murderer in the book. You wouldn't change to be a lawyer one day? No. Um, Definitely not? No. The investigation side, I love, all that side. Mm. So Paul Stein, the murder. John Benet Ramsey, I studied that, right? Read it all, watched it all. Because there are investigative journalists out there too. That yeah, that's right. So them. all that, you know, I, I read all about her. John Wayne Gacy mm. killed all the guys and buried him under his house, the clown. Knew all about it before all these shows come out. Got into it. Boyne Torture killed. Dennis Rader. You got all these killers and that, that I read up and studied. And like I said, but the only reason why I got into the OJ case was because when I looked at it, I, I used to, in my mind, that's why how who I am, what we're talking about, like this interests you and this like, is because to me, something, things just didn't add up. Mm. Just didn't add up. And I was like, I'm going to start, I'm gonna, I want to see the actual, all the evidence. Now there's some evidence that you hang there and go, eh, which you do, but there's a lot where you go, come on. That's been set up or that's been planned and all that didn't happen. And that's and it's so obvious. It's so obvious. But people only read and know what they hear on the news and the TV. And it's just easy for everyone to go, you know what? Yeah. He did it. And I go, but did he? And they'll go, oh, well, well I go, okay. And they, they'll say something to me. I go, and I'll counteract and go, really? No, I didn't know the glove was found seven hours at 5.30 in the morning. They turned up at 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Blood doesn't, blood dries in, what, you cut yourself, put on your shirt. How long does that blood last? Five, 10 minutes to dry? Yeah. Seven hours later, the corrupt cop said that that no, was still wet, doused in blood. Impossible. So on that note, <laughs> if Toby can change, which means I can change, which means you can change. So until next time, treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself. As I always say, don't take any shit from anybody. Until my next podcast, so good morning, guys. <laughs>